And then there are eight left in the World Cup Qatar 2022. Hello and welcome to the Global Game, the World Cup edition for the 9th of December. I'm Adam Peacock. Great to have your company. Great to be back in Australia and alongside Scotty McDonald, former Socceroo and Celtic great. I'll put that tag on you mainly. Scotty, how are you, mate? Oh, thanks. I'm very well, thank you, and welcome back. Welcome back to the land of the living, the, the reality. Obviously, uh, hopefully you're back on the, the clock time as well, Adam. Uh, but it's good to have you back, mate. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am back to reality because the, the first duty was to uh, put my six-year-old daughter on my shoulders and take her down to school yesterday. So um, <laughs> I need the chiropractor already. But, uh, yeah, this is the global game. Thanks to Kraken.com. And, um, yeah, Scott, it's been a magnificent World Cup so far, footballing-wise. There's a few issues around it, obviously, that we'll get into over the next hour or so. But uh, it's all set up for a magnificent four games to come in the next couple of days with these quarterfinals. Yes, it is. Um, and, look, you like when World Cup tournaments are on, that the football uh, is is the talking's done on the pitch. Um, and we're starting to see that. There's been a lot of, obviously, off-field things throughout this tournament and, and before it. Um, something I will we'll dive into in a little bit later, Adam. Um, but look, I'm really looking forward to these uh, these quarterfinals, particularly the the uh, the England France game. Now I need to have to have a word with our producer Alex. He keeps playing this this England song um, at the very beginning of our show. Surely we've got other music. This love for England, come on. Yeah, we're, um, we're down under for goodness' sake. For, for the England. <laughs> it's down under. Yeah, what are you doing? Great Surely World there's Cup more. Songs. Do you know what? You know what? We're trying to we're trying to bring the the youth of the world into this uh, into this show. So we should be having speed on World Cup. That's the new song for the World Cup. Surely we've got to get that on. You know, my my son. I'm going off topic, but my son actually played that to me the other day, and I was like, "What in the hell is that?" I was like, "My goodness!" But the, all the all the kids are loving it, and it's actually gaining traction. So there you go. And he even played it at the World Cup opening. I heard so, but um, but look, yeah, the the World Cup as, as always has its Highs and lows. Look, for me, a little bit of the lows is that some of the low-scoring games, um, there's not been a, a lot of goals from outside the box. You know, the memorable goals, I, I can think of the likes of Richarlison's goal has, has been a magnificent mm. goal. Gapo scored uh, a lovely long-ranger. But usually in World Cups gone by, that there's those... There's those free kicks, there's those long-range goals that you'll always talk about in years to come. There hasn't been as many of them so far, so I'm hoping this, there's going to be a little bit more uh, in the tank here um, come the end of the se- uh, the end of this uh, World Cup that uh, some of the special players are going to turn up and give us something special to, to talk about. Yeah, you speak of back to reality, though, Scott. I've, I've just checked the actual timings of these games. Um, and being over in Doha, it's like <laughs> 6 and 10. Beautiful, fantastic. And then it is back to reality because it's 2 a.m., 6 a.m., these quarterfinals, and we've got Croatia, Brazil starting things, uh, obviously, and, and uh, we'll get into that a bit later on. Then Netherlands, Argentina at 6 a.m. Eastern tomorrow morning, Australia, and then uh, Sunday morning you've got those other quarterfinals, which we'll um, discuss probably in greater detail tomorrow. But um, hot topic, we're, we're going to kick off with a hot topic, and it's thanks to Guzman E. Gomez, um, fast food that athletes say yes to. And, okay, it's not pertaining to the World Cup as such, but out of the World Cup, Scott, what do you reckon about expecting, demanding another big-name marquee after Christmas for us to watch here. Obviously, we've got the big boost of having the Socceroos come back, and it's going to be a great weekend this weekend for the Guards of Honour at three of the games for our returning Socceroos. 
But we've seen Luis Suarez, and I got that information over there from a, a couple of agents. You love agents. They give you great stories. Luis Suarez perhaps linked to um, an A-League men's appearance. Cristiano Ronaldo, a bit of an audacious one. The $2 million here from the, the A-League men's as opposed to the $130 million per season from Al Nasser. I don't know how he weighs that up. It's, an, it's a tough decision. But would you like to see, do you think we'll see a big-name marquee after Christmas time. Well, I certainly hope so, Adam. I think it would be a smart business move from the the A-League men's to do so. Obviously, when all the hype around the game and the excitement is around the game, if we were to bring maybe even one or two uh, top names from around the world to to our game over here, it would just set us up nicely and, and have the interest and from a media perspective also uh, and just keep driving the game. So uh, likes of a Luis Suarez for me would be a wonderful addition. And look particularly down here. And I know there's been a lot of talk about our league being as good as other leagues, but I think Luis Suarez could still come here and, and do an exceptional job and, and excite the fans. Um, maybe even a Di Maria or, or someone of the likes, you know, who knows? Um, mm. There is a couple out there, um, but we I think it would be great if we could get, you know, one or two more marquees of international calibre to, to Australia once again, like we, like we once did. Yeah, just sprinkle a little bit of stardust to go along with the 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 the, uh, the returning soccerers. It was great to hear Craig Goodwin, by the way. So I'm here in Adelaide. I'm not going to try and leverage this for a, a big money move overseas. So we'll wait and see with that one. But um, that was the the hot topping. We'll wait and see if it comes to fruition. A big name marquee coming to the A League men's thanks to Guzman E Gomez, home of clean, healthy burritos, bowls that athletes say yes to. Scott, overall, how how have you kind of soaked in? having the World Cup in Qatar, having like I'd like to know your point of view after me being there, but you over here watching it, has it kind of seeped in about the, the venue, all that talk before the World Cup about where it was? Look, I think um, there has been a lot of neg- negativity building into this World Cup, and I think it probably has overshadowed it a little bit, even for me, without realising it. I think you know, going into this tournament, you, you start to pick up things, you start to scrutinise, you start to watch things a little bit more than probably previous World Cups uh, due to all the, uh, the the media hype about it. Um, the one thing that's disappointed me is the crowds. The crowds for me, you know, at certain games, there's, there's been so many empty seats. So you don't see that in World Cups. And, and in terms of the atmosphere, it's it's not been the same type of atmosphere for me at, at certain games. It's It's like... It's a bit false. It's and I'm not going to go down. I'm going to ask you this in a minute, but you know, in terms of fake fans and whatever else, but it's it's not the the core fans that are all there. You know, not even for England. I haven't even heard the trumpet, the whole the whole yeah. World Cup. Da, 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 Unless he's not with us anymore, but you know, so I'm sure someone else would have took the took it over there and started it. But there's not even that, which, you know, it's just yeah, a little bits like that. And then I talked about obviously. Some of the games themselves, the games evolved a little bit, but there's a lot of negative play within it rather than teams are going out there not to lose rather than to mm. win the game, you know, in, in a lot of the games themselves. And yes, we have seen the upsets and people are saying it's amazing. But for me, I, I want to see fluent football. I want to see attacker football. I want to see special things happen at World Cups, you know, uh, like I talked about free kicks and wonderful goals from range. It's not happening. Everyone wants to do the same thing now and get in those golden zones and, and score goals and you know, almost pass it into the net, you know. So hopefully we see the game, you know, evolve. I was watching FIFA TV where Arsene Wenger was, was on and they were going through the, the group stages and talking about the different stats within that. And 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 it's a fact that there's been less long-range shots uh, mm. at this World Cup than any other World Cup gone by. Um, in the group stages, so so that tells you something about that. But look, it is a World Cup, and it'll still have you know its its memories from it. Um, but yeah, overall, it, it's not been a, a memorable one for me. Um, 
But now talking about, obviously, guitar, I'm going to give you the third degree a little bit, Adam. Go for um, it. You were over there uh, talking about, you know, the little things that I'm talking about. So mm. we'll start with, obviously, the crowds um, and your take on it. Is that Was there fake fans? And uh, why was there so many empty seats at certain games? Yeah, it's... It was. I definitely noticed, especially at Croatia, Japan, I went to, and I walked in, and I went, this is a round of 16. Japanese fans are trying their best. Croatian fans didn't really travel, and it was almost like a library at at, point, at, at some point, and you've got about five, 6,000 seats empty. I, I, yeah, I think it was to do – I think ticket prices over there, so you've got a, a population of 3 million. You've got 2 million of them are, are migrant workers – most of those guys just can't afford to go. So it's the, it's the local Qataris, the 300,000 population that have citizenship that were tasked with, you know, filling the stadiums. Fake fans, there wasn't – I didn't notice fake fans. I do know that the, the Qatari national team, they did transport in some guys from around the, the rest of the Gulf region to kind of support them, and I think they were paid. But I didn't notice – fake fans as such i did notice all those migrant workers who are from bangladesh sri lanka india just pick a team because they didn't have a team in the world cup they went well of course they're going to choose a brazil or argentina they're not going to choose an australia or a, or a costa rica or something they're going to choose the, the teams with the big names so I, I could understand that it looked bad but it actually wasn't that was a bit of a, a, a falsehood but yeah the, the the crowds have been disappointing unfortunately because some of the like argentina that was the best atmosphere I've been. But the Argentinians would dead set travel to Pluto to watch their side play. So they don't care. that They'll cramp in those that cheap accommodation, like five, six to a bunk, just to be able to watch their team play. So, yeah, there was decent support for some of the teams. But you're right, it was different to the previous experiences I've had in Russia and Brazil. Uh, and look, what about the the organisation of, of games? You know, getting into to stadiums and whatnot. We've seen, you know, Welsh supporters early on in the tournament um, struggling to get in. And England, you know, uh, fans as well at their first game. Was there a lot of that going on, or was it was it smoother than what people suggested? It was pretty. It was pretty hyper managed because uh, the the, the locals. You... <laughs> Every time you went into like a train station, a metro station or a uh, a game, you'd have to walk through these fences and it was like winding around, winding around. It was like even if there was no one there, you had to walk an extra like felt like 500 metres through the, the winding fences. It didn't make sense. But yeah, it, it was it was very, very well organised, but maybe too organised, if you know what I mean. But look, I, I, the whole thing, you felt totally safe. The whole thing, you thought you, you never had to walk 20 metres without wondering where you were going, if there was a volunteer to ask or, or whatever. But it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was different in that sense. You, you, you didn't have the opportunity to find out for yourself. You know what I mean? You always had someone there to, to tell you what was going on. I dare say those Welsh fans got there late because I was too busy in one of the pub, one of the few pubs that you could drink in. And then they got, I think they mistimed their run slightly. I'm not sure, but look, easy to get around. Ubers yeah. were dirt cheap. Metro was good. Didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, well, that was my next question, obviously, the most important one. Uh, in terms of beer, obviously, they shut down the uh, the beer stalls around, or the fan zone, so-called, before the games. I did see in one of your uh, social media um, put-outs that uh, you, were, you were actually at one of the uh, the fan zones at one point. Yeah. And it was, was it non-alcoholic uh, Budweiser's they were giving out at that, at that time? Yeah, yeah. The, the first game, actually, I went to England-Iran. And here's the, the scene here kind of made like sums up a lot about this World Cup being so different. 
you had Budweiser the day before the World Cup being told, no, you can't sell alcoholic beer there. And they basically painted over the Budweiser signs. And even the staff behind the bar had to wear plain clothes. They didn't have the Budweiser gear on. And then as I was walking towards that before England-Iran to see what it was like over there, there was no one there. There were people, um, Iranian fans, 15, 20 of them, uh, doing their um, prayer, like their, their, their daily prayer. They do it five times a, a day. They're facing Mecca and all that. And I just thought this this kind of scene here sums up how different this World Cup is. And I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. Absolutely not. You can't begrudge someone praying to their, their God. So um, that was a, a very different scene. Getting a beer, impossible in a stadium. You could only have uh, zero. But when you, if you wanted to go out and get a beer, you had to go to a five-star hotel and minimum 20 to $25 for a pint. So it's not that different to a Justin Hens hotel in Sydney, really, when we're talking about it. So, yeah, it was, um, it was a... I'll put it this way. I got home the other day and, and Mrs. looked at me and went, gee, you, what, were you running or going to the gym over there? I said, no, I just wasn't drinking. So, yeah, <laughs> I didn't come home with a spare tyre, Scotty. <laughs> well, I mean, we talk about the, the drinking, uh, the, the eating. We know that, you know, in these countries, you know, the likes of Qatar, and it, it's the inflation is, is, is massive. It's hyped. Um, yeah. How much was it for a beer then? And was there other options? You're probably going to tell me there was. I know the area quite well. There's two different sides of, you know, these Middle Eastern countries. You, you have the, the the rich side and then you have obviously where the, the migrants live as well. So I want to get your take on that because you, you did go looking for a game of cricket as well, didn't you, at, at some point? Yeah, yeah, on the on the Friday. So what happens with the Friday, all the bosses go to Friday prayer and, you know, it's a day off. That's their first day of their weekend. I went looking for a game of cricket because all the migrant workers who don't practice Islam, or, or many of them don't, they go and play cricket. So I went down to have a look at um, the the, Jubo, uh, the Doha Cricket Stadium, but they converted into a fan zone, so I couldn't find it. And I just ended up walking. It's a place called Asian Town, about 20, 20 k south of, of Doha itself, the, the city centre. And yeah, that was, that was an eye-opening experience. Lovely people, um, hospitable, friendly, cheap food, went and had lunch, filled my guts for 10 bucks max. And that was, <laughs> that was a big, big meal as well. Um, just friendly people, but yeah, that they're, they're working their backsides off to send all their money back home to, to pay for their kids' education back in Nepal, Bangladesh, um, India, Northern India, mainly Pakistan. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a big, big disparity between the haves and the have-nots over there. Um, but the, these these guys, they get um, kind of, not headhunted, but they, they go through the villages um, in these countries where they're from and they get them to come over and work. And they knowingly go into these situations where they know it's going to be tough, it's hot, it's all that. They don't get many workers' rights, but they get paid three, four times as much as they would if they stayed back home. So it's a, it's a tough, tough social situation. And it... Again, there's no, I'm not judging the rights and the wrongs of it. I'm just telling you what it's like. And um, yeah, they, these guys that you see on the street, some of them, they, they, they look broken. So it's it's a really eye-opening experience. Just a, just another one I wanted to touch on with you was the accommodation side of things. And, and obviously as well, was there a lot of things that actually weren't uh, completely built yeah. Um, you know, for this tournament, they, they were sort of still trying to get them ready because I, I seen a story uh, building into the World Cup as well. The the uh, the, the tents that you could, uh, 
obviously living as well as as part of uh, the experience, which was kind of crazy. And you had a little padlock to to lock your tent in. Um, was there many people staying in those in the outer villages, or or um, did you see anything like that? Yeah, I'd, thankfully, I the good people at Code Sports who I work for they put us up in an apartment that was very much built a while back in a in a middle class area called Al Saad. So you had a lot of North Africans and Middle Eastern um, expats living there. As I said, middle middle class, good coffee. That was the main thing, but really established like apartment building that's been there for a while. But I saw some of the other apartment buildings that have been thrown up, and you know, there's there's you know paint kind of peeling off the walls, and and I didn't go to those fan zones, but uh, yeah, I heard a few stories, especially from the Argentines, saying that yeah, it's it's not great, but we're here for the football and we're just getting over it. So, mate, it was a it was a different different place, um, and could go into greater detail, maybe some more story time over the, the next week on the global game. I'll, I'll pick out yeah. some stories along the way, but um, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was certainly very, very different. The world cup experience for 2022. We're off to a quick break on the global game. You're listening to the global game. Thanks to Kraken.com trusted by 9 million crypto customers worldwide. Kraken.com broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA world cup, Qatar 2022. Yeah, welcome back to The Global Game with Adam Peacock and Scott McDonald. Thanks to Kraken.com, your secure crypto partner. Get in the game at Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. Bigger picture stuff now, Scott. Over there in Qatar, a lot of people were talking about how well the AFC did with the three nations, ourselves, Australia, Korea Republic and also Japan making it through to the round of 16. Now, obviously, no one got through to the quarterfinals, but it's the first time three AFC countries have reached that stage of the World Cup at the same time. Does that give you, uh, the, in your opinion, does that mean that it's going to improve off the back of or does it feel like a flash in the pan? It's always hard to to read into the future of these ones when you have these performances. You know, when Japan and South Korea did so well in two thousand and two, everyone thought that you know Asia is now going to be a force and, and they're going to keep getting better and improving with the coaching, the facilities they have, the the finances behind them. It's sort of it's been a standstill a little bit, um, but it's been wonderful for obviously the AFC that they've had three teams get through to the the next phase uh, of the World Cup. Um, is that to do with where the World Cup's being held? Is that to do with um, it being, you know, halfway through uh, a season, you know, in European domestic leagues? Um, th- there's all those questions you probably have to ask. However, the, the one thing we have seen from the, the AFC teams, and, and include Saudi Arabia in this as well, because I thought mm. they were very unlucky not to, to make the next phase as well and would have made four teams, um, was just the work ethic and the discipline and the structure and tactically how much the AFC has come on um, throughout the course of, uh, you know, international football. They're, they're right there now. And, and we've seen the golf now uh, be minimalised within international football. There's not a lot between, you know, the, the nations now. It's just those elite level players and that, that little bit of difference, that little bit of spark and, and special specialness. And that's the one thing you would probably argue a lot of, a lot of the time for even... You know, Japan, who I feel are always going to be the, the strongest and have the best opportunity with the, the talent of players at their, at their disposal, is that that final product, that getting, getting that, that goal is always the difficult thing for these AFC teams um, up top. And Japan have always epitomized that throughout world play and world tournaments. And even when they play us 
uh, Adam, is that you always fancy your chances because they like to try and walk it in your net. Mm. They need two, three chances before they actually score one. And I think that's the difference at international levels. You've got to take your, your chance when it comes. And, and Japan, uh, you know, had the opportunity there against Croatia um, to take them out and, and get to the next phase, but, you know, just fell short. South Korea, absolutely no chance against Brazil. And, and obviously, you know, the Socceroos boys did fantastically well, but it was always an uphill battle with, you know, the energy output that we did put out in the in the group stages to go and then obviously match that against Argentina. But we did it wonderfully, but just couldn't, you know, get over the line in the end. Yeah, and, and you throw in Iran as well. Um, obviously, the big disappointment yeah. from an AFC point of view is Qatar, who spent about $8.7 billion preparing and came up <laughs> with absolutely nothing. Big duck egg. But Iran as well, and being at that game, England-Iran, where they were, obviously, there's so much political upheaval, um, social upheaval at the moment in Iran that the, the players just look dead set distracted, but they they bounced back against Wales. That was absolutely incredible and then just missed out to the USA. So it, tactically, um, they were so – the five ones that I'm talking about were, were so switched on and so organised and now it's about and, – and big point about the Socceroos, now it's about adding that little bit of creativity to, to what we have. You don't want it to change. You just want it to be no. built on. Do you feel that way, Scotty? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it's what we do now um, in preparation to, to the next tournament. Uh, not so much the, the next Asia Cup because it comes so fast, but obviously, you know, going into the next World Cup and, and preparing for that and the development from, from what's coming from underneath. I think Arnie's done particularly well. Um, I think it's so important that you you have younger players having tournament uh, experiences, you know. So getting to to qualify for the World Cups under seventeens and World Cup under twenties, we did that so well when we were part of Oceania. It's been a bit of a struggle when we when we've actually gone into Asia, um, but I think it's so vital that we get these players having those tournament experiences as early as possible. And it'll hold us in good stead and the preparation. And I keep talking about a national training camp that we need as well or, a, a, you know, a facility that, that is ours, that, that, that's our home, a Clairefontaine, so to speak. You know, the FA need to look into this and, and, you know, sports ministers over there talking about funding this, that. Well, we'll fund us and help us get that. You know, that's what we really need. We need that ID facility. Um, so we can improve our, our younger talents to come through because or else we're going to get left behind by the likes of Japan, Qatar, Iran. They've all got money. You know, so and and they're just going to keep spending it and keep trying to improve. We need to keep you know keep up with these guys. Yeah, certainly not going to compete with some of the Middle Eastern nations in terms of, of funding because the heard one great story over there, Scotty, yeah. that uh, in Qatar that under twenty threes, <clears throat> one of the clubs was owned by one of the sheikhs, and the under twenty threes were playing one night, but he couldn't get to the game. So what he did, he organised seven a seven camera broadcast of it to be sent there, set up, and it didn't get publicly broadcast it was just shipped back into his palace that's what we're dealing with here in terms of funding wow. so yeah we've got to we've got to think smart and think agile yeah. and um i dare say that james johnson has been on the phone to a few government ministers over the last 48 hours to just you know just put the feelers out there well, well, being part of that Aspire Academy as well that we've had the, and prepared in, in that facility throughout this World Cup, surely that gives us the ideas and the understanding and, and we can sort of tap into that to, to, to bring home. You know, you know, we were lucky enough to have that. And I think that helped our, our cause in terms of the preparation that we had for the, the tournament um, and even the recovery side of things. Because the I keep talking about the energy output that our players put out there mm. was unbelievable. If you look at all the Asian um, numbers for, for the tournament in terms of physically how they got around the pitch, 
it was a big part of why they were successful. Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it, that Aspire Academy, having a look around it, it's just a modern day version of the AAS. We've got it. There's, there's one down in Canberra. So I don't know if we use that as part of our base and get in there. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, um, we're off to a quick break on the global game. Back with plenty more. We've got Adam LaFonda on the way. Hey, everybody. Producer Alex here. And just before the break and Marco Tilio, we're heading to Tom Haylock for Betfair. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Thanks, guys. We've had to wait a couple of days, but the quarterfinals are upon us. And Brazil, strong favourites for the title and strong favourites overnight as well. $1.39 against Croatia, who are at $10. The draw is $5.30. Croatia, finalists in the World Cup uh, going back to 2018. Still $46 to win it this time around. So, obviously, this matchup a big factor in that. Uh, the Netherlands and Argentina, intriguing. Argentina favourites at $2.30. You could mount a case that Holland have been in Slightly better form. They're at 380 with a draw at 325. You look to Sunday and Portugal's strong favourites at $1.71 against Morocco, who have only conceded one goal in the tournament at 620, 380 the draw. And probably the match of the quarters uh, sees France at $2.60, England $3.10, and the draw at 335. Brazil continue to shorten for the title into $2.64. France at $5.70, your second favourite. But the two big movers, Morocco opened at 390. They're into 40s. Portugal opened at 17s, into 7s. And third favourite, all of that and more thanks to Stats Insider at the Bet Bear Hub. That update, thanks to Betfair. Don't settle for the odds given. Find better odds on the World Cup at Betfair. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Yeah, welcome back to the global game. Thanks to Kraken.com. Trusted by 9 million crypto customers worldwide. Kraken.com, broadcast sponsor of SEN's coverage of the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022. And a man who's looking forward to getting back into action this weekend, Scotty Mack, is Adam LaFondra and, uh, well, the entirety of the A-League men's. And um, he's pumped about taking uh, the park against Melbourne City for Sydney FC, where they'll bring the World Cup heroes out on a chariot, I'm led to believe, Alfie, uh, when they come out to, to start the game. I'm not sure if it's going to go that far, mate, but um, how are you feeling about giving the guard of honour to our uh, returning Socceroos? Hello, by the way. Yeah, hello, yeah. I, th- I think it's brilliant for them. I think, uh, obviously, I think there was quite a lot of negativity or, you know, just a lot of doubt about how well the Socceroos could do over there. And, you know, it's fantastic to see how well they have done and they deserve everything, you know, all the praise off the back of it because, you know, they've probably shocked a nation and hopefully they've inspired the next generation to come through and, and show, you know, what hard work and persistence gets off. And and obviously that the A-League's a great grounding point for you to, to learn your trade and, and obviously, you know, get down to the games and, and watch, your, you know, your, your local stars. So just to... Yeah, you touch on that, Alfie, and that you've been part of Australian football in the A-League now for for quite a few years. Did it even surprise you the amount of, uh, you know, news generation it, it, it made and, and within the Socceroos and, and just the support that was there and sort of asking questions now, you know, can they come and support their local teams and, and make the A-League, you know, the atmosphere that we all want? Yeah, definitely. I think, obviously, when I first came over, there was a lot of... Well, in fact, there was little to no media coverage. Um, and, you know, it's nice to see, obviously, after COVID, it started to grow again and started to boom. And then, you know, obviously, the, the positivity around the World Cup has just seen a massive boom. And, you know, obviously, everyone from the media side and, and obviously, the APL are driving this home that, you know, football here is, is fantastic. And, you know, there's, there's great players to be seen here. And, you know, you've got, like I say, the local stars... 
um, the Socceroos that are in the in the eight league. You come and watch them, and you've seen them what they do on the big stage. Now come and watch them on our stage, and you know help support the next generation that comes through to to an even more successful Australia football team. And I think you know that's what football's about. It's about obviously supporting locally and helping it grow you know for the future because everyone wants to have a successful national team in in football and you know that hopefully this is the beginning for the Socceroos journey and you know we they start um you know going on a real successful run from here Alfie here for me is is the crux of the matter about what the Socceroos mean to to harden A-League men's fans so Tilio and in particular McLaren who played a big part and Matt Leckie who even played a bigger part. I mean, one of the ends at the Al Janoub Stadium is now named after Matt Leckie after that goal against Denmark. But does the Cove boo those three on Saturday night at Allianz? Uh, yeah, I'd like to think so. Um, <laughs> you know, they could, uh, as long as we get the three points, boo them. And then after the game, they can show the respect that they deserve and, and obviously warranted. But obviously while we're on the pitch, um, it doesn't matter who you play for, it's you know, we're, we're at war sort of thing. So, um, you know, we expect our fans to be fully behind us. I don't want them uh, giving them a pass because they've done well for the national team. They can do that afterwards. Well, looking ahead of the game, obviously, against Melbourne City, Alfie, I have to ask you, obviously, you had that injury just before the break. How are you now? Um, and I know are we um, going to see you out there um, come Saturday night. Yeah, well, I, I'm fully set now. Um, unfortunately for me, when, obviously, the, the derby just before the break, I was penciled in to come back for that game and, uh, being a little bit bullheaded, tried to rush myself back and had a little setback just before that game. So that ruled me out of that game. And, you know, just during the break, I've I've really just, you know, gone back to basics and reset everything and got my body right. And I'm just coming out of that now. So I'm back in full training, um, available for selection. I, I guess it's up to obviously Bimby what he does with me. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get on the pitch and I'm eager to, to help my teammates win because, you know, we've, we've got to start getting results. And, there's no better time than, than beating, obviously, the champions um, who won the league last year. Yeah, take us through the, the – it's never happened before and probably never happen again, like six six games into the start of a season, five, six games, and then all of a sudden you've got to take a, a month-long break almost. What was the training schedule like, Alfie, for all these A-League men's teams and how much golf did you get in? <laughs> uh, no golf, mate. I'm watching the World Cup, you know what it's like. Um you know, it, to be fair, it wasn't much different. You know, we still trained, you know, regularly like like normal. We're working on things because obviously we've not had a great start to the season. Um, so we needed to work and we needed to nail down a few things and, and get better in things. Um, obviously, we, we were getting players back fit as well, myself included. Obviously, Jack's back. So it's a, it's a big plus to have players like that coming back into the squad and, you know, help us get the results we want because, you know, we've, we've not started the, the season great. We've been a little bit inconsistent for our liking and, you know, we know that we should be challenging at the top of the table and not, you know, mid-table dwellers sort of thing. Yeah, well, Alfie, you talk about, obviously, results, um, particularly at Allianz Stadium, not yet to get off the mark with a win there. Is, is that something now, I know that's a dreaded question for all players, but is that something that's sort of the, it's playing on the players' minds now or, or at the club? Uh, I, I, I could say for myself that it, it doesn't really affect me. Um, I, I like to think the boys have the same mindset. You know, obviously it's a matter of time for us to win at home. Um, they had the, the great result against obviously Celtic in the friendly, which you know is a, is a friendly, obviously. But you know that should give us some sort of confidence that you know we're beating a, a quality side there. So you know we we know of the challenge that City bring to us. Uh, you know coming up this weekend, and we've got to meet it head on and. You know, show that and show the rest of the league that we're back and you know we're better than that than, than what we've been showing. France, England, how do your mobs start stop that bloke on the left wing? 
who's and, and I said it earlier in the program with with Scotty. Um, I seriously haven't seen a better athlete in any form of athletic pursuit, not just football, but anything. Um, he's quite extraordinary, Mbappe. Is is he the one, or is there something else about France that really worries you, Alfie? Um, not really. obviously. You know, he's a, he's a huge standout. You, you, obviously, France have got other threats. They've got Dembélé on the other side, but obviously, everything seems to go through Mbappe. And um, you know, obviously, Kyle Walker's a, a supreme athlete as well to to go up against him. So um, it's going to be a, a really good battle, obviously, on that left side, but. Like you say, I think if you keep Mbappe quiet or quietish, I think you've got a great chance of nullifying a lot of what France do. Um, and the good thing for England is that England have not really got that one star they've relied on this tournament. It's been spread out, you know, all over the squad. Really, you know, you've had Rashford come in, Saka's been unbelievable. Obviously, Foden's in the squad now and, and in the starting eleven, sorry, and, and doing really well. Obviously, Harry Kane scored in the last game, so. You know, I think for England's sake, we've got a lot of threats all around all around the front three, and you know you've got Bellingham obviously emerging as well as possibly the best midfielder in the world. So um, I think we should be quietly confident um, about our attacking threats and not just focusing on you know the one threat that you know which is you know absolutely world class um, and worry about that too much. I think maybe we can be a bit more. Well, you talk about uh, having all those options up top, Alfie. If you were Gareth Southgate, who's going to be your front three against France then? Because that's a tough ask. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think he, he keeps what he, he had in the last game. I think you go Foden left, Saka right, Kane as a nine, and, and you go from there, really. I think, um, you know, Sterling's obviously back in the squad. Rashford's um, a quality player as well. He, he could play off the left, but I think... Uh, I said it pre-World Cup. Foden is, you know, this probably the star in in the England squad. Um, I know obviously Bellingham's had a great World Cup, but for me, everything has to go through Foden if you know we're to to get really far in this competition. And I think this is a great stage for him now to really uh, emerge as the the main man for England. Righto. To leave you, uh, last one for you, Alfie. Massive hypothetical. So you're able to go into Steve Corker and say sign this bloke and it's going to happen. Out of anyone that's left in the World Cup, who's the one player that you'd love to play alongside at Sydney FC? Oh, play alongside. Uh, yeah, it's got to be Mbappe, isn't it? I think, um, you know, with obviously you can say Messi, but at 35, uh, I don't think so. If you're looking long-term as well, I'm thinking strategically. Uh, I want Mbappe at, what, 22, 23 for the next 10 years. Maybe mm. I won't be playing for 10 years, but, um, you know, for the for the future of, of Sydney as well, you know, he's going to score about 9 million goals in the A-League. So um, you're obviously going to guarantee more or, less, more or less success with him. I can see him down there at Ravisi's every Friday night before a game and then still performing on the weekend as well. Um, uh, yeah, I reckon so too. Adam LaFondra, let you get back to preparations for the Melbourne City Clash this weekend. Thanks for joining us, mate. Good luck to your English side against France and, um, yeah, go well for the Sky Blues as well. Cheers, guys. Thanks a lot, mate. Bye-bye. That's Adam LaFondra joining us. Uh, coming up, we're going to go through the full preview of the A-League men's return to action this weekend and wrap up the show. This is the Global Game. So it's 2-1 in the shootout after three each. Here's Mai Yoshida, the captain of Japan. It's been saved by Dominic Livakovic. Back post slides around the outside oh, of Reen. Throws it in towards Coop Miners to unleashes. Turner, first save, and the second one as well from Matt Turner. Well done. In all of his years, all of his experience, walks up to the spot, and it's saved again by Bono. Far too relaxed, that penalty from Sergio Busquets.
Yeah, welcome back. Spain, great penalty takers. Matt. Uh, yeah, welcome back to the Global Game on SEN. Those were today's great saves for Schnitz, the best hands in the Schnitzel business. Schnitz, handcrafted Schnitzels. I feel like a Schnitzels after that read right now. Uh, uh, schnitzels. Yeah, <laughs> actually, multiple. Absolutely multiple. Adam Peacock and Scotty McDonald here to uh, run through what we've got coming up in the next uh, few days in terms of football. And uh, we'll kick off with the A-League men's, eh? Because it's, it's back again, Scott. Brisbane Raw, Adelaide United... Uh, up there at Redcliffe. And um, yeah, we don't know what's happening uh, with Charlie Austin. There's r- rumours all around the place that he's uh, he's not long for the A-League men's. He wants to head back to England. But uh, how do you see this one, mate? Well, that's uh, that's that's actually... So I live up here and I haven't heard that. So it just shows you how much I'm actually being paying attention because <laughs> all this World Cup focus. But it's great to, it's great to have it back. Um, and, and look, obviously, Charlie Austin is a key figure for, for Brisbane Raw. They need him. They need him firing. It was a, an area of the football pitch that, that Raw struggled with, particularly last season. They brought him, him in to score the goals. Obviously, they got that victory before the break, which is, gave them a huge lift. And look, Adelaide travel well to Queensland, though. They do particularly well up here. Um, and, and they have got a great record. So this is going to be a tough game. And obviously, Adelaide United go about their business quietly. Um, but they're looking very, very good at the moment. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Craig Goodwin plays any part within this game. I'm sure Adelaide United fans will be hoping he does because he has a maf- massive influence uh, in this game. But obviously, I- Ibusuki as well up top, always a massive threat, scored a lot of goals already this year. Um, he's going to be the one to watch for, for the Raw, particularly, I think, uh, in this game. Saturday action um, comes back for the A-League men's with a triple header. So Wellington, Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, is the pandemic still on? This is in Wollongong. I can't quite work this one out. I, I'm, I'm not sure. And then after that, it's Sydney FC, Melbourne City at Allianz Stadium. Speaking to Adam LaFondra before, looking forward to that one. And then Perth Glory, Western United at Macedonia yep. Park over there in Perth because they can't play at HBF at the moment. What What catches your eye there, Scott? Oh look, I think the, the 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 bottom of the league one. It's a desperate one for for both sides in terms of Perth Glory and Western United. Western United getting that great victory over in New Zealand against Wellington. Uh, Diamante scoring a wonderful free kick. Um, he just continues to to light it up at times when you think it, it could be all done for him. He comes back from that long term injury and he's galvanised his team. Is it enough now? Obviously got Prijevic back as well. Mm. Um, look, I expect them to start driving up the table. Um, but for Ruben Zakovic and his men, this is this is a big big game. You know, particularly at home, this is their first game at home uh, for a very long time. So. He'll be expecting a performance and they need a result. If they've got any chance of actually driving up that table, then they need to start winning football matches. But like you said, really odds to have Wellington playing at Wollongong. I know there's probably a relationship there, but hey, Wellington are New Zealanders after all. I know we're, the hype around the Socceroos and everything, but it'd be good to have them back at their own home patch. They've, they've had a lot of hard times mm. um, and it's very, very strange. The A-Leagues uh, have chosen this to, to be the venue, but... Um, it will be what it is. So let, let's see what it brings. And then on Sunday afternoon, uh, the, the last game is MacArthur and Melbourne victory. Sunday afternoon at Campbelltown Stadium. Let's see what Daniel Arzani's got after missing the World Cup squad. Let's see where he wants to take his, his career in the next couple of months. That'll be fascinating for me. But before that, Central Coast, Newcastle Jets, all the Socceroos for the Central Coast. Sunday afternoon, mm. Central Coast Stadium. Let's believe it's going to be 25, 26 degrees on Sunday. Arvo. So... Beautiful conditions, a derby, and Garen Quoll, one of his last games for the Mariners before he takes off, Scott. 
Well, this, this is a massive game, isn't it? The F3 derby. I'm really looking forward to this one. This will be a test for the A-League's men's uh, and where it is right now. After all the hype and the excitement of uh, the Socceroos and how well they've done at the World Cup, um, what kind of crowds are we going to get? Uh, fingers crossed it is a sellout and the atmosphere is there and, and we're seeing you know, that atmosphere brought back to the A-League's men. A tough game for both teams. Um, you know, both teams have had, well, particularly Newcastle, have, haven't had bad performances. Just in terms of the results, they haven't got all the results they would have liked. But still, there's only one point in between them. Look, the A-League's men's uh, league table, you look at it right now, it is so tight from fourth all the way down to, you know, the bottom of the league that one or two wins and, and you're right up there mm. again. So that just shows you how tight it is at the moment um, and how evenly matched a lot of these sides are. You know, Melbourne City are running away with it at the moment and going to be very difficult to stop. But, well, within that, it'll be a, a very good uh, test for both teams, you know, Newcastle and Central Coast, if they were to win, to get up that table. Yeah, um, and, of course, the A-League women's as well. Some of our Matildas on the radar and the emerging Matildas happens this weekend as well. So plenty of football, local football, to get invested in over the course of this weekend. And then, of course, there's the, the World Cup game, Scott. We'll leave the, the, the two second quarterfinals for tomorrow's show, but um, the ones that are taking place overnight, our time, early tomorrow morning, uh, our time here in Australia, Croatia, Brazil. Can Croatia somehow stop this Brazilian lightning attacking force. And I say lightning because they sense an opportunity and it's just bang, bang, bang combination play. That, that for me, is the key in that one. What about yourself, Scotty? Well, going for my coffee this morning and uh, Croatian locals that, that, that own that, 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 that cafeteria, they're full of belief that their team can do this. Um, you know, they're a fascinating nation in terms of how they compete um, every time on the world stage, they, they just managed to get the job done. I think this will be a difficult game for Brazil. They've been wonderful at this tournament, um, but I think that Brazil will still get the job done. Uh, for me, Croatia, seven out of the last eight knockout stages games, they've took to extra time. Could it go there again? Possibly. But I think Brazil, late on in this one, they'll, they'll get the job done. And what about Argentina? So that one's at Education City, which is a cool, great atmosphere. It's 40,000. It's in the, the west of Doha. The second one, though, Netherlands and Argentina at the Lusail Iconic Stadium. There's going to be 88,000 there. Mm. Predominantly, I would say, Argentinians going absolutely burko for Lionel Messi and their side. Louis van Hald, here's the big question for me. Does he have the plan, like he says he does, to nullify Messi's threat and therefore... Therefore, nullify Argentina. What do you reckon, mate? Yes, I've, I I think this is going to be an upset. Um, I picked Argentina to win this. The dark horses for me were, were the Dutch. They come up against each other now, and, and I just think the way the Dutch are playing, I just think they'll have too much for, for Argentina. I think Argentina have been to the well a couple of occasions. It's too much reliance on Messi. Uh, Alvarez has impressed me, um, but where else are the threats going to come for, for Argentina, and, and can they match um, you know, the Dutch mm. in that in that sort of wing-back system that they play as well. I think the Dutch late on in this one as well will, will get the job done. I'm going to say 3-1 the Dutch. Real, Ooh. real big shock. And uh, the end of uh, the the end of the, the Lionel, Messi, Lionel Messi era for Argentina. 
Yeah, and, and Louis van Gaal has been fantastic at press conferences this World Cup. It, mortality does wonderful things to a man because he's just become this comedian, basically. He, he shot back at a journalist overnight saying, oh, are you bored by what we play? Maybe you should go home. I'm sorry. It's, we're trying to win football games here. So, no, he's, he's been really good value, as have you, Scott, over the last hour. Mate, uh, we'll catch up tomorrow for some uh, more football chat, eh? Look forward to it, mate. Scott McDonald joining me, Adam Peacock here on the Global Game. That's it for tonight. We'll be back tomorrow, same time. And, of course, you can catch uh, the podcast. Just search the Global Game SEN on your podcast searcher, if there's such a thing. Did I, was that even English? Anyway, we'll be back tomorrow uh, on the radio from 10.30 Eastern Australian Daylight Time. Enjoy your football.